Psalm 66, we're going to look at a couple verses toward the end of the chapter here. Uh, verses 18 and 19. You know what, let's read verses 17 through the end of the chapter, verses 20. We'll fo- focus primarily on 18 today, but... Um, Psalm 66, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Thank God for his mercy. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, what a beautiful day that you've given us today, and Lord, we do rejoice in it, and Uh, Father, we thank you for this time to come together around your word in the Sunday school hour, Lord. And certainly, Lord, I don't want to gather out of routine or out of, Lord, some perceived idea of godliness. But Lord, we want to hear from you. And so we pray for a Holy Spirit filling. Lord, that you would fill this facility. Lord, bless each teacher as the word of God is taught. I pray that you would be with each listener that you would touch hearts and move in lives. Lord, I pray that you would convict. Lord, encourage and strengthen. Lord, we know there's hurting people here today. Now, Father, as we look at your word today, we pray for your blessing. We ask that you would just encourage and strengthen us to walk closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What a convicting thought. Are you content with something in your life that is between you and the Savior? It's hindering the power of God in your life. certainly is hindering your prayer life. So that's the thought for today. As we continue the series on Commanded to Pray, we're going to talk about some hindrances to prayer. Hindrances to prayer this morning. Last week we looked at our responsibility to to pray And certainly the sin of prayerlessness. Uh, And do you know people, we we talked about people depend on our prayers. God uses our prayers. He's chosen to get with us in in the form of prayer and to make a difference in people's lives. What a blessing to know that the the Creator God, God Almighty, it's just amazing to think that that He would partner with us to work in this world, in the hearts of people. He says, we're told to pray for laborers. We would run out of time if we looked at all of the, the reasons we ought to pray. But um, So if we're not praying, we're holding back the power of God to work. We kind of talked about that last week. and uh, I came across this quote, and it says this, Too often we are so overwhelmed by the greatness of our difficulty... We fail to see the greatness of God. Sometimes we're just so burdened down with the challenges and the difficulties that we face in our life, we lose sight of the great God that we have that's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we begin to doubt and and we don't have the faith maybe to pray like we ought to. But this morning as we continue our, our series, Commanded to Pray, I want to look at some hindrances of prayer. Number one this morning, unconfessed sin. Perhaps we could sum up the entire list of things that I have this morning with this one, but we will not. I have some others I'll share. 
but we will probably spend the majority of our time on this topic of unconfessed sin and how it can affect our prayer life. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It's pretty simple. I used to go to a church and I still count him as a good friend, the pastor who said, that's very profound. The reality is God makes some things very simple for us. And we need to understand that if we're not willing to deal with the sin in our life, the iniquity in our heart, uh, He's not going to hear us. But, and I, I want to look at verse 19, but verily God hath heard me. The psalmist here dealt with it. So it's not a matter of just if you got sick, God's not going to hear you. If you deal with that, it says, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. God is ready to attend to the voice of your prayer if you would just but deal with that iniquity. And I'll tell you what, the, the most conviction I've ever felt in my life is when I'm trying to pray. Certainly I get convicted under the preaching of the Word of God. Certainly. We call it stepping on our toes, right? We don't, we don't like the knife when it cuts, when the Word of God pierces us. But there have been great times of conviction in my life when I was trying to pray because I wanted something from God. And God said, but wait, what about this? Uh, and the reality is I was regarding iniquity. Here's what one commentator said. He says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, literally, if I have seen iniquity in my heart, that is, if I have indulged in a purpose of iniquity, if I have had a wicked end in view, if I have not been willing to forsake all sin, if I have cherished a purpose of pollution or wrong, the meaning is not literally. If I have seen any iniquity in my heart, for no one can look into his own heart and not see that it is defiled by sin. But if I have cherished it in my soul, if I have gloated over past sins, if I am purposing to commit sin again, if I am not willing to abandon all sin and to be holy. Are you regarding iniquity in your heart? Or We ought not be content with anything that would hinder our relationship with God. And it's critically important in this matter of prayer. If we have sin in our life, God says that He won't hear. He is not going to be attentive to our prayer because we have sin in our lives. Are we serious enough about our relationship with God that we will deal with sin? There are some difficult things in marriage. There are some difficult things in family. There are times that I don't feel like I have the energy to address the stupidity of my children. But nonetheless, it needs to be addressed or there will be a problem. The relationship won't be right. The same goes with my wife and I. She's a peach, but sometimes I bring things in that cause problems and they need to be dealt with. We ought not be content with anything that would hinder our relationship with our God. Are you content this morning? Or are you serious about dealing with your sin? Do we have those pet sins that we relish or feel content to allow just a little bit? Well, this isn't that big of a deal. If God has pointed that out in your life, it's a big deal. 
through the, the reading of his word, through the preaching of the word of God. However God has revealed that to you, it was a big enough deal to him to bring it up in your heart to want you to deal with it because it's causing a problem with the relationship. It's, it's a big deal. But I'm afraid we're content with the little things sometimes. Uh, hallowed be thy name. God is holy. How dare we say that something is acceptable that he would point out in our lives that would be indicate otherwise. If we will regard, if we will not regard God when he convicts, when he urges us to cleanse our way, he will not regard our prayer. Remember, we're talking about a relationship. There's benefits of having a right relationship with God Almighty. And if we're not willing to keep that relationship right, how dare we expect the benefits of that relationship? But oftentimes that's how we are. We want all the benefits. We want him to load us up daily with all these benefits, but we're not willing to deal with the things that he has pointed out in our life and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not too thrilled about this in your life. This is sin. Are you going to deal with it? The Lord is far from the wicked. Is there any wickedness in your life? But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. The amazing thing is he is provided a way for us to be righteous. There is no reason, there is no excuse, if you will, for us not to deal with these things. Listen, God loves us. He's not bringing these things up and bringing conviction in our life because he's a big, mean God that just demands us to conform. No, he has our good in mind. After all, he created the world so he knows how it ought to operate. We don't know better. Our flesh thinks that, oh, it's okay, it feels good, it's all right. And God says, no, that's contrary to the word of God. That's contrary to what I would have you do. And so he points it out and we must deal with it if we want to have a right relationship. Here's a pretty strong reminder of this principle. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Boy, if you're going to be obstinate, stiff-necked, unwilling to deal with those things that God's revealed in your life, uh, an abomination. That's strong language. Here's what a commentator said. God does not hear all prayer. There are even prayers that he rejects with wrath. The broken words of the penitent, the simple cry of the little child, and the ungrammatical sentences of the ignorant person may all be, or may be all acceptable to God while prayers faultless in form and impressive in utterance are flung back as insults to the divine majesty. The first consideration is not as to the nature of the prayer, but as to the character of the supposed worshiper. The prayer that is an abomination is one which, however perfect it may appear to be in itself, comes from contaminated lips. We need to examine ourselves rather than to weigh our phrases. Have you ever just felt so good because you waxed eloquently in public prayer? 
Let's be honest, we pray differently when we pray publicly. Some, most, at least at some time or another. We try to break out the, the unabridged Webster's 1828 and wax eloquent in our prayers because what are we trying to do? We're trying to impress people. Perhaps we're even trying to impress God. But the reality is God is far more concerned with your heart and your attitude and, and whether you're right with Him and you've dealt with those things in your life. You can have the most eloquent prayer and it is an abomination to God if your life is not right. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. Listen, if you're just going to reject God's direction, you're going to reject God's word, you're not going to give any attention to it, God's going to be disgusted with your prayer. It will be an abomination. But certainly, Scripture teaches God is attentive and desires to hear and answer our prayer, does He not? Or does it not? It, it still boggles my mind that we have a God, despite all of our failures and our shortcomings, despite who we are, He still wants that relationship and He still wants to hear from us. Uh, what a blessing. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. So certainly God wants to hear your prayers. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So there it is. If we're obedient to His commandments and we're living in a way that's pleasing to Him, He is ready and willing to hear our prayer. He is attentive to us. However, we must deal with any iniquity and any sin that He reveals to us. We must do that. Psalm 32. You can turn there. It's just a few pages over for most of us. Some of you with large print Bibles, it might be several pages, but um, <clears throat> in my notes here, I have verses 3 through 5, but let's start in verse 1. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And, and God made a way, did he not? Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Look at verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. That description, have you ever felt, verse 3 and 4, as I read these verses, I can feel the emotions and the feelings that I've had at times when I was unwilling to deal with something God had called me out on. God had convicted me about. Look at this. It says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Look at what it says, for day and night. Have you ever just been through it? God just won't let you go. He keeps bringing that up and he wants you to deal with it. He's, what a faithful God that doesn't just let us go. He loves us so much that He's just going to keep it there at the forefront and say, you need to deal with this. This sin that you have in your life, I want you to deal with it. So day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture has turned into the drought of summer. Boy, it just is almost too much to bear. But the reality is we hold on to something that hinders us. And listen, it makes us miserable. It, it may be pleasing to the flesh or whatever the case may be at times, but you're just miserable 
Have you ever been dried out like a raisin spiritually? It's no good. Uh, For some reason, the Air Force saw fit to put me in the desert a lot. We were stationed in New Mexico, and uh, it seemed like the Middle East was the main place to go at the time. And it was just, I just, it's so dry and miserable. I don't know why anybody chooses to live in the desert. And by the way, we're borderline here. This is pretty arid here for me. Most years, this kind of seems a little bit more humid this year. And then I'm complaining about that, right? I guess. So, Lord help us. Um, but I hate being miserably and dry and, and just... Do you get the picture that the psalmist gives us here and how, how miserable it is and how the heavy hand of God is upon us when we, don't, when we don't deal with those things in our lives? Look at verse 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. So we're no longer hiding this in our heart. We've acknowledged it. Listen, by the way, you're not hiding anything from God. He knows. And so sometimes we regard these things in our heart and we think we're getting a pass. We think that everything's going to be okay. But the reality is we're making ourselves miserable. And so he says, he acknowledges it unto thee. And my, my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And look what it says here. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, and so God has provided a way in Christ that we can deal with all of those things. And the joy that comes when you're right with God and your sin is confessed. I don't have the words to describe, but there's such a peace and contentment knowing that you've dealt with those things that God's worked in your heart. Perhaps today your prayers are hindered by your own regard for sin in your heart. I don't know your heart this morning. I don't know those things that God's pointed out in your life that He says, this is it. You need to deal with that. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're not willing to confess that, if you're not willing to deal with that, your prayer life is going to be hindered. To say the least, maybe. We have access to forgiveness. Why do we wallow in misery, in frustration? And we feel like we just can't get ahead in the Christian life. And I don't know what's going on. And and listen, I don't know what it is this morning, but my prayer is that God's poking at your heart today saying, deal with that. Because if you remember last week, if we're not able to pray... If our prayers are hindered, we lack the power of God in this body. So your inability to access the throne of grace affects us as a whole. We've all known this. We like to think that we are seeing only affects us. But that's not the reality of the situation. It affects the body. Certainly some more to others. So this morning, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, I encourage you to deal with it. Deal with it today. Deal with it before Sunday school's out. Sometimes we have idols in our heart. 
that hinder sin. Ezekiel 14.3, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their, their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I inquire of it all by them? Should I be inquired of it all by them? Ezekiel 14.3. This morning I want you to examine your life and see if you're putting anything above God. Listen, we're, we're guilty of putting our careers before God. We can put our family before God. Yeah, I said your family. I know, I have a good friend of mine. His family is an idol in his life. He, he, I'm convinced he doesn't serve God like he, he could or ought to because he's made his family a, more of a priority than God. Perhaps you have a possession in your life that you put more effort and time and attention to than your walk with God. It's an idol. You know what else can be an idol? Ministry. Making such a big deal of that over your walk with God and over, over your family. And, and we can go on and on today, but the reality is anything that you think is more important than God. But ministry is an easy one that we use to cloak while I'm serving God. But the reality is, you know if your focus is ministry or the Lord Jesus Christ. Because sometimes if we're going to just be worried about ministering, we'll conform to a certain way it's perceived that it ought to be done that's acceptable by people. But we ought to be desiring to be led by God and God alone, not by some standard that man has, or traditions of men, you might put it that way. So I encourage you to identify anything that you have in your life and that you're putting above God. And ask yourself, are you willing to give that thing up if God asks you to? Listen, just because you have a family doesn't mean you're not right with God. I'm not saying that it is an idol. I had a career in the Air Force, right? I'm not saying you're wicked if you have these things. But what I'm saying is if God says, hey, that thing in your life that you give so much time, you give so much money, you're so attentive to that. Why don't I get that same time and that same attention? And if God asks you that, I, I encourage you to be willing to give it up. If you're unwilling to let it go, then that idol will hinder your prayers. Look what it says. It says, should I be inquired of at all by them? These people have no concern, no regard for for me, for God, yet they have the audacity to come before me in prayer and ask of things. We need to be careful. What's your motive in prayer? Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. I'll admit to you this morning, this has been a convicting thought for me. Sometimes I'm praying and asking God to do things and I found out I'm probably just praying that because it's just something I want. It's a fleshly desire. And listen, I'm talking about good things. But are we praying, are we truly praying to get to know the will of God and understand the mind of God? We need to be very careful not to just consume the right things upon our lusts, or that's our prayer. 
that we would just get those things that our flesh desires. I think God would be honored if He would just do this or that. It's not only what we want in prayer that matters, but also why we want it. Is your ultimate goal to have His will in heaven on earth as the model prayer teaches us to pray? Do we truly just want God's will on a matter? Self-glorifying motives will hinder one's prayer life, is what I'm telling you this morning. If you're just trying to, to do it to get some perceived level of, of self-glorification, it's, that prayer is going to be hindered, I believe. What's your motive in prayer? Listen, do you, do you go to prayer in faith? Do you pray in faith? These are basic things, but I think we all at times struggle with them. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. It's an interesting thought. Boy, those things that you desire, if you just believe it, you're going to have it. I believe it's based on the will of God, however. Yeah. And if we're right with God and we're, we're, we're righteous and we're praying, uh, our prayers oftentimes will be in line with God. And certainly, that's why we pray, because it's an opportunity for God to realign us to where we ought to be. Obviously, Jesus is not endorsing a, a blanket approval of anything that we ask in faith here. That's not what this is. The point here is about the importance of believing that God will hear when we pray according to His will and that He has the power to respond. Do you believe God is able to answer your prayer? No matter how bleak the situation may seem, do you believe God? Do you believe He's able? Uh, in another context, we, uh, when we are encouraged to pray for wisdom, we are told about the need of faith there as well in order to have the prayer answer. Look at James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Here, here's, the, here's the kicker for me, usually. Nothing wavering. Sometimes, God, I believe, but there's this lingering doubt in the back of my mind that I, I just don't know if that's what God's going to do. Or is, is God really going to do that? The faith to move a mountain, we say. <clears throat> Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Boy, so he that wavers. You just might as well forget it, that you're going to receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The Christian life is really a life of faith. And what I would say this morning here is, Lord, help thou my unbelief. Lord, help me to have the faith. <clears throat> Do you have an unforgiving spirit? We're talking about things that hinder prayer this morning. i got five more minutes. We're probably not going to get through all... All of these, but. And when you stand praying, forgive. This is Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, 
that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. You want the forgiveness of God in your life? Are you a forgiving person? What makes you think God owes you forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive? A bitter and unforgiving spirit hinders our fellowship with God. Boy, and certainly it's going to have a negative impact on our prayer. I have found the more I pray, and I'm listen, this morning when I say these things, I'm not saying I'm a great prayer warrior. <laughs> Far from it. But what I have found is when I pray, I develop a more forgiving spirit. Because oftentimes I've experienced that unconfessed sin that God points out. And I have to be honest with God and with myself and say, God, I need you to forgive me for that. And that cultivates a spirit of forgiveness in my heart. Even when folks don't even ask. You can just let it go. It ain't a big deal. We don't need to get all puffed up about something. Listen, this this morning, I, I just have to remind you of what our Savior did for you. He was whipped, beaten, hung on a cross. Without saying a word. And what does He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here at times, we get this attitude like, well, they owe me an apology. Or they owe me something. Listen, I don't think that's a Christ-like spirit. And it's an indication of where you're at spiritually. And and I'm not saying that we don't deal with things as they need to be dealt with. Uh, There's scripture in the Word of God that we ought to deal with things. If there's offenses and things, and if you've offended somebody, you need to go make that thing right. But what I'm saying, I'm talking about you and, and how your attitude is going to affect your ability to pray. And listen, it's affecting your relationship with your God. And you won't have the power of God in your life. Do you not want to accomplish something for God? But we let these foolish, little menial things creep up and and we get an attitude about things. And we're just not going to deal with those things. Listen, forgive if you ought against any that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespass. Do you lack persistence in your prayer life? We won't take the time, and I think we looked at this passage a couple weeks ago, but Luke chapter 18, in verse 1, it says this, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And that parable there is good. It talks about the widow and those things. But you know what? It's summed up in this one verse. You ought always to pray and not faint. We ought to just commit those things to God and just uh, keep being faithful in our prayer. I think we give up too soon because by nature we are impatient. I want what I want and I want it now. God... Would you come through for me? I think that's often our attitude. And and no doubt Jesus stresses the needs for perseverance by using the parable of the widow there. 
And we ought not faint. We can't give up. Uh, So don't confuse asking God repeatedly if he has clearly said no. Sometimes God answers prayer and we know it. It just wasn't what we wanted. And so we're really just being difficult and, and we're being adamant about what we want uh, and trying to justify it by saying we're just being persistent. We're persevering in prayer. We're being spiritual about it. But the reality is I, I, there have been times where I wanted to keep praying for something, but I knew that God had already decided. <clears throat> Don't be guilty of the, the sin of insistence that you want it your way. Persistence is keeping on praying even if it takes a long time to receive answers. God builds our character as we wait on Him, so giving up quickly is another hindrance to prayer. I have a few more here in my notes this morning, but we won't have time to finish that. How's your prayer life? 